Welcome to the Queer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Elise, and each week I'll be interviewing a queer person about their experiences in fitness and sports. This week, I talked to Leon Bell, a trans YouTuber from Norway. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Here's a quick update in light of the craziness of this global pandemic, and it's good news. The Queer Fitness Podcast will continue new episodes every Tuesday. It's always been Skype calls and me editing from home, so nothing is changing. I hope that this podcast and its guests are keeping you company as you work out from home or take a walk in your local park. Please stay safe. If you have any suggestions for people you'd love to hear on the podcast or would like to share your story, I'm particularly looking for sports and activities that haven't been on the podcast before, like football, golf, tennis, CrossFit, and of course many more. DM me on Instagram at QueerFitnessPod or email QueerFitnessPodcast at gmail.com. People who are listening to the podcast, could you introduce yourself, um, your name, your pronouns, uh, your queer identity, and like what you're up to? I mean, we've talked about some of the folk school stuff, but yeah, uh, yeah. just a general introduction. So my name is Leon Bell. Uh, chose my first and last name myself, actually. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I am a bisexual trans guy. Cool. I am pretty much up to just working out nowadays because that's all you can really do. I set up a home gym here out in the garden and that's really all I'm doing, walking the dog and working out. Nice, nice. Uh, are you, you're in, are you in like high school, university? Uh... I actually go to a folk high school. Are you familiar with the concept? Uh, I don't know. Could you tell me more? Yeah. No, uh, the folk high school, it's sort of like uh, after high school, you might decide, well, you haven't really decided yet on like whether you want to go to university or you want to do further, but maybe you don't want to just stay at home and hope for like God's sake that you manage to find a job. So instead you go to a school that's sort of like a year off, but you live at a boarding school of sorts and study something of your choice. So for example, this fall I did photography and I attended, I intended to do photography the full year, but I switched over to art. So you can just, like, you can also study, like, taekwondo or kickboxing or snowboarding if you are really into snowboarding. So you can just do whatever you like for a whole year, study music, whatever. Uh, so it's really cool, actually. And then, of course, you meet a lot of, lot of friends and just live with your friends for a whole year. It's amazing. Oh, that's cool. So it's like a pre-college, but you're not, you know, none of your decisions on what you're studying are like impactful to your final <laughs> degree or your yeah. final job or whatever. That's really cool. Not in any way. That's really cool. Yeah. And so are you uh, quarantined at the boarding school or are you like at home kind of deal? Well, we, we were actually sent home in the middle of a school trip. We were, we were in the north of Norway and I live sort of in the east south of Norway so we were sent home in the middle of a school trip it was a really expensive trip so we hope you know that insurance is going to cover us a bit there uh, but um, but the good thing about that was that because I was sent home exactly on the day that we were sent home um, is that I was able to start testosterone on that day 
which I would not have been able to do for perhaps like two weeks if I hadn't been sent home from that school trip. So now I'm staying home and just waiting for changes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Uh, Yeah. Tell me about starting testosterone. And so was it then moved forward because you came back from the trip early or was it actually delayed or? Yeah. Yeah. both in a way because (laughs) the trip had already sort of delayed me starting testosterone because we were driving through Finland four hours in a snowstorm when I got my prescription which I had waited for for so long and it was like a godsend you know finally it came but then I was just sitting there stuck in a bus throughout Finland in the snowstorm and I got to this northern city in Norway Uh, Finally, when we arrived and I managed to escape my teacher for an hour and I got to the pharmacy, but they were out of testosterone. So (laughs) I said, well, uh, that's that, I guess. And then I just had to go on the trip and I figured, shit, I will have to go now at least one week, maybe even two before I can actually start testosterone. So it was delayed by two days, but then not any more than that, because we were sent home by the principal after the whole situation with the coronavirus, you know, it got worse. So we were sent home and that sort of saved me and made starting testosterone come on earlier than I had expected after being disappointed from it being delayed. Yeah. Right, right. How How is working out at home? Are, were you working out at a gym before? Is the home gym like different? Yeah, of course. Uh, I've set up a home gym just with random objects I found around the house and in the garage. So I've got like tires, some wooden blocks, uh, bricks. <laughs> I've got uh, this yoga mat actually I found because my mother does yoga, and luckily I've got some dumbbells. So I feel a bit I feel a bit blessed because of my dumbbells. Uh, but I usually go to a gym. My school has a gym. And also the gym downtown is really good. So what I'm really missing is deadlifting. Deadlifting is probably my favorite exercise. And I can't do that now. So I'm struggling every day because working out is such, it's like medicine, you know, it's like therapy. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I can't really challenge myself in the same way now. And that's a bit frustrating, but it's all right. Yeah. yeah, what has been like the highs and lows of being on YouTube for two years and talking about being trans and like, what has that all been like, you know, because you've, you've had this like inner journey, but you've also, you know, been telling the world. Oh, yeah. About, yeah. Yeah, no, I think the, the highs, first of all, because I like to focus on the positive things in life. I'm just going to do the positive sides sure. of being so public about it first is of course the support, the amazing support and love I get from so many people from around the world. You know, you get DMs from people saying, you know, I've thought about this for so many years myself now and I think I might be finally ready to come out because I saw your video and I see how much happier you are now. And I'm like, like so ready to cry and just sitting here, it's all teared up, welled up. There's this other human being on the planet who might have a shot at becoming happier, like me. And that's very powerful, I think. I did not expect my videos, you know, I'm just sitting here filming a video on my phone and then uploading it online. And then it might have such a huge impact on another person's life. That's amazing, I think, just the happiness you see from the people around you and the support, of course, that they give you. But but then there are 
also, of course, haters. I think that's that might be the low, the haters. But I've, I've grown thicker skin over the years now, and so it's much easier. And I'm going to get thicker skin as I start with testosterone too. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it, really. The negatives aren't that many because I think the positives are so great. Just the impact you can have. Not that I'm important, but... I did never. I never expected that I would actually have some sort of significance in this way. Yeah, it's it's a bit overwhelming at times, but it's very moving as well. Um, you also talk about some pretty tough topics on your YouTube channel, like you've talked about your eating disorders and things like this. Do you feel oh, like yeah. Do you feel like you've talked more? about these hard issues because of your YouTube channel? Like you wouldn't maybe talk to your friends about this, but it's easy to talk to a camera or something. Mm. I actually think uh, I'm, to- I'm forcing myself to talk about these topics, uh, not because it's easy to talk to a camera, but because I feel like I owe it to other people or like I owe it to my earlier self, sort of my younger self. I owe it to the world to speak about this. Uh, Even though I'm no expert in any ways, I still have experience. And I think if I had been younger and seen myself talk about this in the way that I speak, I would have maybe realized, oh shit, this is what my issues are about. And it could have saved me so much, so much pain, so much. It could have saved other people in my life from so much pain. And I think that's sort of what's driving me to really make those videos because I know I also hurt a lot of other people in the process of finding myself and throughout all of my, oh, well, years with struggling with my eating disorders and self-harm and everything, I truly could not regret more. Or like, I couldn't, it's a bit difficult to talk about, but I feel so bad and so guilty for the pain I caused others, whether it was intentional or not because of my eating disorder and the other struggles I had. So I just hope it could help other people, whether or not it's directly or indirectly by talking about it. I think it's too important not to, even though it's very difficult to film those videos. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that makes sense that you're not only helping people see the positive, your position now, but also like self-realizing if they're in a negative situation oh yeah so you're uh i also on the youtube channel your two-year the two-year pre-tea timeline video is like oh, over yeah. it's over twenty thousand views <laughs> now which is crazy right it is actually i checked up on it like a few minutes before you called because this is my first video that's like taking off a bit and it's at twenty-five thousand now oh, actually wow. i think wow yeah, at least that's what yeah. my stats are saying, and it's a bit delayed for other people. But yeah, no, that's insane. <laughs> what do you see when you look at that that two year video, and you've dyed your hair, and you've started going to the gym, and all this stuff? Like, what what does that mean to you? Not even the numbers, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. No, apart from the numbers, which is a bit intimidating, uh, a bit scary. Uh, I think. I see a different person in a way, but also I see someone who's learned to love themselves. Someone who's learned to take care of themselves. 
And that's really the message I wanted to get across, like with the drinking, because I used to have problems with drinking. And I got through that sort of by going to the gym. I started going to the gym and I realized, you know what, this isn't good for my body. Going to the gym, however, that's very good for my body. And learning to take care of yourself and aiding yourself on the path of recovery in whatever recovery you need to go through. That's what I see, really, when I look at that video. I've probably looked at that video 20, 30 times myself. Um, because it's strange and unusual to look at yourself and see how much you've changed in the course of two years. Um, and sometimes I look at myself there. In my first video when I came out, which I included at the beginning of that video, when I introduced myself as Thomas, and now it's Leon. Uh, I changed my name again last summer. It's very strange, but I also remember very clearly filming that video as if I was finally daring to take the step into my life, as if I've never really lived my life. And I can see a young boy who's finally opening that door, like as if going into the closet in Narnia. It, it's, yeah, it's surreal, uh, but also a good reminder of where I've come from and where I don't want to end up again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's talk about starting going to the gym and your like fitness journey since coming out. Um, yeah. Like, wh- what did you start doing? Did you decide on a plan to lift heavy weights or did you just go to the gym to go to the gym? Or, yeah, just tell me. First of all, I there was this other guy in Norway who was working out a lot, uh, another trans guy, and I was really inspired by him. But that was more so like the year before I actually did start working out properly. And I saw that, hey, it is possible to build muscle while still pretty. And I felt like I didn't really pass. I started dating and I felt like if I'm going to be comfortable in this relationship, I have to start working out. This is something I have to do for my body, myself and the relationship I have with my girlfriend in order to be a good boyfriend. If we are going to stay together for a while now. And so I started working out and I started seeing progress, you know, which is very fun. When you start seeing that progress, you know, it's like, oh shit, really? And you look in the mirror and there are changes there that you didn't perhaps think were possible, but they are there. So it is possible and you start believing in yourself and that sort of drives you forward to keep working out and... It was mainly strength training because, you know, building muscle, uh, all that, looking more masculine. And eventually, instead of doing it for my relationship to my girlfriend, which eventually ended, uh, sadly, but uh, I learned a lot. I learned so much from working out and I got to know myself, my psyche. You know, it got so much better because the process of working out isn't only physical, you know. It's, it's a mental thing too. Yeah? Yeah. So... I think getting to know yourself, your limits, and how you can push yourself, but also when you need to recover, you know, your body needs a few days perhaps to, you know, not be so sore anymore. Uh, Learning to be patient and also seeing how, for example, getting testosterone just binds into that again 
uh, it all connects. Uh, I would not have been able to be on testosterone today if it hadn't been for me working out. And I realized that when I started talking to one of the therapists at that at that one gym, the clinic in Norway, uh, because he saw my progress and he said, I can see that you are truly working for this. Like you are putting in the work to pass. You do want this because those results would not have been possible unless this is something you really want. And that made him, no, he let me have more appointments than what was perhaps meant to happen, you know, and that got me, it made my progress much faster than it perhaps could have been. Uh, So I learned that there isn't only one way to get to the end goal, you know. I don't necessarily need testosterone to make progress. And that translated into other areas of my life as well, which made my friendships stronger. Uh, my relationship to my family grew stronger. And years of, you know, mental agony one way or another. It There was some kind of release there in the gym when I lifted those weights, when my deadlift increased... It meant more than just anything on the physical plane. And I think it made me wiser. You know, that's that stereotype of the dumb bro in the gym. Yeah. That's, yeah, that stupid buff guy. Uh, but I think a lot of those guys are pretty wise because I started talking with some of them and they know shit. They know things about life because a lot of them are, they are in the gym for some of the same reasons as I was. And we connected there on a very human level and it was a connection I hadn't really felt before. So I'm very grateful that I started lifting because those bros, um, they are bros for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, so you were at your school gym and then also like a, a gym in town. Do you feel like, did you have any problems like passing or being accepted at the gym or anything like that? Uh, not really, I think. Uh, except for, of course, in the beginning at the gym, I was very nervous. But oftentimes it's just being self-conscious, really. And I, I'd never changed, especially at the gym downtown. I would never change there. I would always come changed already. And maybe if it was cold outside, I would just have a pair of track pants over and then take them off when I came and never go into the wardrobe really. Uh, But I saw that the guys, especially at my gym downtown, they started recognizing me and like, oh, hey, you're here again. And they don't really care. They just care that you make progress. Yeah. Is what I found out. They see that, oh shit, this is a weak person. And now they are less weak. (laughs) (laughs) They, they're growing stronger. And I think, I was just too occupied. Everyone's just occupied with themselves, really. But at the gym at school, I think it was a bit different because it was a new arena. I hadn't worked out with people my own age before. So at the gym downtown, there are all the people, uh, grown-ups, whereas at the gym at school, there are just peers, right. you know, other students. So I think I was a bit more self-conscious there, actually, even though I felt safer with them in one way, socially, I also felt less safe because the guys there, you know, literally one time they came in, I could hear them in the hallway coming with the boombox 
and all of a sudden the door was open, just ripped open, it flung open, and I think a train of four or five guys came in, and all of a sudden there was this immense sound in the room, everyone dropped the weights on the floor, one started grabbing some dumbbells, and he yelled, testosterone, and he was, he's a cis guy, you know, yeah. So, yeah, it was strange seeing that kind of behavior, you know, very Neanderthal almost, yeah. not, to, not to shame them, uh, but it was very strange, but eventually I, you know, I became friends with them, and I think it was very, it was a very valuable learning experience for me as a trans guy who's grown up as a girl uh, until I was 17 years old to just see the behavior that these guys have. Uh, I didn't adopt it because it's not something I want to do myself, you right. know, coming screaming into a room uh, and shouting testosterone when I start lifting some weights. But I became more comfortable around guys. And of course, I also share a room. My roommate is this guy. He's very buff, uh, extremely well-trained. So it made me a bit self-conscious, but they started talking with me and we started sharing, you know, tips and knowledge. And it was kind of like, I eventually I didn't feel trans anymore. I feel like a normal cis guy now, uh, as far as I can imagine what that's like at yeah. least yeah. Um, and I think it's made me more comfortable in my own skin simply because it's not really about being trans or cis we are all just people we are all just guys and that's something I wouldn't have learned at the gym downtown but the sense of community that we got by working out before supper before dinner going to dinner going to all the meals together after working out that's something I will never forget, really. Yeah. No matter no matter how many years pass. I wanted to. I, this is if only if you feel comfortable talking about it. But I wanted to ask about the eating disorder, in like in sure. connection with you being trans and and your understanding of whether it's uh, body dysmorphia or body dysphoria, and this yeah. all in the like seven years of coming to terms with yourself or being in denial or whatever uh, words you were using before, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was confusing. First of all, I think that's probably been one of the greatest riddles of my life, finding out what belongs where. Um, because body dysmorphia and gender dysphoria, they can be a bit similar. For me, it was very confusing because I so I didn't want to be trans. I was scared of the idea, just generally, of being transgender. So when I first he heard of trans people, I was like, that's very fascinating, but that's not me. Uh, <laughs> and But where did those feelings come from then? And I sort of started thinking, oh, no, this is probably just me having a bad relationship with food, because already from I was probably... Since I was eight years old, I had sort of a difficult relationship to food and it got worse when I hit 10. And then also it got even worse when I was around 12 or 13. That's when dysphoria really hit me. But it was actually gender dysphoria masked as body dysmorphia. Uh, I found out later on. 
So I think, you know, for example, if I'm going to take hips then as an example of body dysmorphia, no, I'm sorry, gender dysphoria, because my hips started developing and of course my chest as well, but first and foremost, my hips got wider and I was like, this is not okay. Uh, this is not supposed to happen. I'm supposed to be, you know, have that Dorito shape like the other guys are starting to develop, um, which I didn't think about in, in these terms at the time, but that's what I was feeling, you know, I'm not supposed to look like this. Uh, but if it had been body dysmorphia, it would have, it wouldn't have been as deep, I think, because I did of course have an eating disorder as well. And, but it was never, and I felt fatter than I was, but it always came back to those gendered traits. It wasn't in general, you know, uh, for example, my back was always very skinny and the, that was bad because I didn't like my back being skinny because it made me look more feminine. You know, it all came back to looking more female. But as soon as I was skinny enough to not really have any fat on my body, I was happy. And But if it had been an eating disorder purely based on body dysmorphia, I would have still seen myself as fat and I would have still wanted to lose more weight. But I didn't because I looked like a 12-year-old boy, you know, even though I was 16 years old and a girl and was supposed to have shapes, at least to some extent, you know, people do have different body shapes, but... I was happy because I looked like a young boy and I sort of realized that uh, along with all the other signs that I had shown throughout my childhood and it was something I then had to gra- gripple, grapple, yeah, grapple grapple with yeah yeah grapple. <laughs> yeah. yeah for a bit and sort of try to understand that this isn't as simple as it or simple, that's a bad word to use, really, but that's what I'm going to say now. It wasn't as simple as just having an eating disorder because the eating disorder wasn't connected to me wanting control over my life. It was connected to me wanting to have control over the fact that my body had changed and developed in a way that made me appear more female. I couldn't just wear whatever clothes I wanted anymore and still look like any other guy in my class even though I didn't consciously do that before. But I did do that before. Uh, And that kept my eating disorder going. And I was in such denial about me being transgender, so I just kept losing weight because I figured, no, it's just me being influenced by, you know, for example, ads online or underwear ads that you see in stores and online and on billboards I thought it was just feminism sort of this is just another example of the male gaze gone wrong that's what my eating disorder is connected to but it wasn't it wasn't in any way connected to the male gaze and me wanting to be like hot for men it was simply connected to me wanting to be a man myself more so than it being connected to the male gaze. Um, yeah. And then I realized that when I became a bit older, I met more people, started discussing more with people from different you know, areas of life. And eventually I realized that, you know what, you just have to come out, you know? 
which I did in London when Trump was, well, right after London. I visited London when Trump was there in 2018. Yeah. Yeah, I watched... That was a strange Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I watched one of, your, uh, one of the videos where you said it was about a haircut. That was the reason yeah. you came out. Yeah. Uh, the reason I came out was because my dad got a haircut at the barbers and I sat there and all of a sudden got this immense feeling of I was just so jealous. It was so intense. I was almost scared because I'm not supposed to be this jealous of my dad getting a shave, you know? Um, so I just figured, you know what? I, I'm going to get my haircut tomorrow as well. And I think I'm just going to do it short. I'm going to look feminine anyways, if I get the pixie cut. So nobody's going to care. Um, so I stayed up all night. I couldn't really sleep actually. So I stayed on Pinterest, dear Pinterest, you know? <laughs> Pinterest is amazing. I still love it. But now I, I'm on now I'm, I'm on Pinterest for tattoos, not haircuts anymore. Um, so I stayed up all night on Pinterest looking for haircuts. And then when the morning came, hadn't gotten any sleep, even though I'd walked so far the whole day. I even though I was exhausted, I couldn't sleep because tomorrow, you know, I was going to get that haircut. And eventually I got the ticket and as I was looking in the mirror, I think I talk about this in my video, it's a, it was like looking at mask falling apart piece by piece. Eventually I could see myself there in the mirror. It was still the same face and everything, but it was very different because I could see a future almost. Yeah. yeah. Which, I, which I never could before. How does being trans change your fitness goals? You like you've talked about gaining muscle some, but what are you? What do you want from fitness uh, that maybe yeah. you weren't looking for before in all of your childhood sports? I guess. Yeah. Yeah, because then it was just about being active and having fun. Uh, now I think I do skip leg day a bit sometimes because <laughs> I know I'm ashamed. I'm so ashamed that I skip leg day because, you know, everyone says don't skip leg day, don't skip leg day. But I do because I don't want to, you know, get bigger thighs because thighs is probably one of my most, one of the areas that I'm most dysphoric about. I think even though I do have skinny thighs, uh, I'm still very scared of being thick in that area. So I do work mostly upper body, but some leg work as well. Uh, but I think now more so than, for example, last year when I first started working out and the first six months of working out, now it's become therapy. And I need it just to function on a daily basis as well because it gives me a sense of inner peace. Just, it's a routine. It's part of my routine now. It's something I love and it gives me time to think think and reconsider my life choices I think about my future education maybe when I'm going to get a girlfriend hopefully this year uh, or next year you know when I start studying going to university this fall I think I'm doing it for myself and not to pass but because I know it's so good for me my mental health I thrive when I work out and I stay active uh, so it's not to pass anymore because I do pass pretty well I think most of the time at least so it's just a thing of it's maintenance now kind of and 
taking care of myself. It's self-love at this point, not trying to reach a goal. It's just love. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Where can they find you? Uh, Your Instagram handle, YouTube, that kind of thing. Yeah. On on YouTube, my name is Leon Bell, L-E-O-N, and then Bell, as in ringing a bell. Uh, And on Instagram, it's at the Leon Bell. So T-H-E Leon Bell. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Oh, Thank you. It's been a great talk. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Here's a quick update in light of the craziness of this global pandemic. And it's good news. The Queer Fitness Podcast will continue new episodes every Tuesday. It's always been Skype calls and me editing from home, so nothing is changing. I hope that this podcast and its guests are keeping you company as you work out from home or take a walk in your local park. Please stay safe. If you have any suggestions for people you'd love to hear on the podcast or would like to share your story, I'm particularly looking for sports and activities that haven't been on the podcast before, like football, golf, tennis, CrossFit, and of course, many more. DM me on Instagram at queerfitnesspod or email queerfitnesspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>